You start taking an antibiotic for a UTI. Your urinary symptoms start getting better, but you develop a raging case of diarrhea. Your abdomen starts cramping, you run a fever, and you even see some blood in the toilet. Your husband remarks that the bathroom smells like death, and he's right. It definitely has an unusual odor. Whatever it is you have, it's worse than the UTI ever was. So you go to the ER, and the ER doctor speculates that you probably have a colon infection called C. difficile. You explain, that's impossible. How could you develop an infection while taking an antibiotic? He tells you that your infection is from the antibiotic. What on earth is going on here? Are there really antibiotics that can give you an infection? Why is everyone suddenly so afraid to touch you? In today's episode, we're talking about Clostridium difficile, or C. diff, capital C, D-I-F-F for short. We talk about how you catch it and how we treat it. Welcome to Sick Enough. A quick disclaimer, we created this podcast to educate and entertain our listeners. The information we share is not medical advice, and you should always consult your own doctor. Also, please note that we are doctors for adults and are not trained or qualified to comment on pediatric care. Tyler, how much C. diff would you say that we generally see? I mean, we certainly see it. I wouldn't say it's an everyday problem, but it comes up enough that, you know, it doesn't really startle me or scare me, and I'm pretty comfortable. I don't have to go back to the blue literature book every time I see a C. diff. I can kind of just do it from memory because I see it so often, Mm -hmm. you know. I'd say maybe like a case a month, I I, I guess. I don't know. I was going to say a case every few weeks, maybe yeah. one, you know, once a month. Yeah, I think that's that probably sounds about right. Then there's sometimes, I know there are some weeks where I've seen more than one case, and that can especially be true if it's kind of like running through the hospital at that yeah. time. But more often than not, this is something I think that develops in a patient under treatment, someone who's already in the hospital and being treated for something else. I don't really see us admitting people to the hospital for, for this all that often. Not usually. Yeah, I mean, I think the times where that happens, it's usually someone who's older or somehow more vulnerable, and yeah. they get admitted because they're getting dehydrated from all the diarrhea and everything that they're having. It's usually an outpatient issue. Yeah, I mean, probably. I I don't I, I don't have any numbers in front of me, but I guess maybe five ten percent of C diffs need to be admitted for the C diff. Yeah, I think. It's pretty rare, but it's something, but it is considered a nosocomial infection. Yeah. And so I think that is part of the reason why we tend to see it in the hospital some. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk some about kind of what, what that means? Yeah. Nosocomial is a, a medical term for, I guess, kind of hospital acquired. It's it's something that hospitals, because of everything that goes on there, are kind of breeding grounds for bacteria and resistant mm-hmm. bacteria and other problems. And C. diff easily falls under that umbrella yeah. because in hospitals we're giving antibiotics, which create a C. diff infection. And then also C. diff is extremely contagious yeah. because the spores are not killed by hand sanitizer. Mm-hmm. You have to be to, to kill the C. diff spores. You have to scrub your hands with hot water for a couple of minutes, which most people don't do. So mm-hmm. the C. diff spreads easily. So if one person in, in a hospital gets it, most of the hospital gets it. Yep. You're spot on nosocomial hospital acquired and, and kind of spreads through the hospital. And I hate to say it like, the hospitals can just be breeding, like you said, breeding grounds, just reservoirs for bacteria you don't find anywhere else right. in, in in the world. And I think patients don't totally realize that sometimes. Right. So, but anytime I see someone in the hospital who's who suddenly develops diarrhea, I'm sending a, ses- a specimen off and we're taking C. diff precautions just to be on the safe side. So I thought I'd go over some of the basics. C. difficile is a bacteria, specifically an anaerobic gram-positive rod. Um, we usually classify bacteria by 
whether or not it uses oxygen or not. So the aerobic versus anaerobic. And usually by what shape it has, if you look at it under a, a microscope and whether it picks up a certain type of stain. So that's what those other terms kind of mean. It typically lives in people's intestines and it's shed in stool. It's typically spread by the fecal oral route, which means that it gets into your intestines when you eat bacterial particles that someone else has shed. Gross. <laughs> as gross as this sounds, this happens all the time to each and every one of us. Uh, I think you should all be washing your hands right now. In fact, I'm tempted to take a break just for us to go wash our hands. (laughs) Some C. diff can produce exotoxins, and these are little proteins that are highly inflammatory or irritating to the host body. And they are basically what cause the diarrhea and abdominal cramping. And even in really severe cases, they can actually cause damage to the lining of your colon. C. diff also has some other nasty tricks up its sleeve. It can form biofilms, meaning that cell colonies in your GI tract will cover themselves with a slime that protects them from the body's immune system and the activity of antibiotics. C. diff, as you just mentioned, also forms spores. Basically, when the bacteria leaves the body, it will encapsulate itself so that it can survive for a long period of time, and it can actually survive for as much as five months on surfaces. Can you believe that? I mean, that's just, that's unbelievable. I didn't know that. Yeah. These spores are very hardy, and they aren't killed by typical cleansers, Um, You mentioned that hand sanitizer doesn't work on them. A lot of your typical run-of-the-mill cleansers don't work on them. We have to usually use bleach or I think maybe chlorhexidine too. I think that one may also work, but but certainly bleach wipes. I know we have to keep in the room specifically for C. diff. So, But hand washing, as you mentioned, is very effective though. And if we haven't mentioned that enough, you should probably go wash, wash your hands. And just as kind of an aside, I actually remember my grandmother growing up you know, she would send me and my brother to go wash our hands before each meal. And I've had a renewed respect for that habit that she tried to teach us when we were growing up. Yeah, when um, I was most, younger, I hated that. But now yeah, I feel weird not to wash my hands exactly. before a meal. <laughs> Especially if it's like a hands-on food like tacos, for example. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, this day and age, I mean, first of all, like working in a hospital period, like I wouldn't dream of eating something right. without doing something to wash my hands. And then, right. but especially with this day and age with covid and all the other bacteria yeah. that we kind of encounter. I have a greater appreciation for those habits. <laughs> so we talked a good bit about uh, the symptoms of C. diff in the introduction, but there's a couple other can cause too. The main classic one, the, the famous one, is the watery diarrhea. Mm-hmm. Uh, typically, if we're going by textbook medicine, if, if we're going by textbook medicine, it's we call it three plus episodes a day. Now, I realize not every patient's going to do what the textbook says. Yeah. Dave just said a second ago, any patient in the hospital gets diarrhea, we're going to check a toxin. Mm-hmm. I, 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 there, there's, I, th- I think there's some truth to that. I think they tell us to think about C. diff once they hit that third episode yeah. in a day, but you know that's that's fungible. And and I would say if the stool isn't watery, I don't necessarily send off. Yeah. you know a, a stool test. It definitely needs to be watery. Yeah, if and, it's like because I mean, the lab won't even run it if it's right. if it's just liquid stool or if it's just soft stool or in, if it's formed in any way, they won't even run the test. So, in addition to the diarrhea, it can cause some crampy abdominal pain. You can lose your appetite. You can be nauseous. It can cause like a fever, kind of a sepsis kind mm-hmm. of picture, but those are more the severe cases. Yeah. And we said those I aren't really usual. Don't, I rarely see that, but it is possible. Yeah. So, well, Ty- Tyler, who who do you think usually catches C. diff? Who do you usually see in the hospital catching it? Well, if I'm seeing there a hospitalized patient, of course. Um, yeah. But the people who have a bad reaction to it, and the common ones would be someone, the elderly. That's 
I feel like that's the answer to every question yeah. on the show. Uh, <laughs> but also patients who are immunocompromised, like mm-hmm. someone who's on chemotherapy or someone who's taking any immunosuppressant for like, you know, a rheumatologic condition, they're mm-hmm. going to be more susceptible. If people are going to go a procedure or a surgery on their colon or their mm-hmm. gut, that can throw off the floral balance of the bacteria yeah. and that can predispose them to a C. diff condition. I don't feel like I see a lot of that. I know it exists in textbooks, but mm-hmm. I, I can't recall too many cases in my career where I've had someone go in for a colonoscopy yeah. or a colectomy and then come out with C. diff. Yeah. I, have you I seen that? I haven't. Yeah. No. The big one to me, though, is is last but not least here is take patient taking antibiotics. Yeah. Almost every single case I've ever seen of C. diff, the patient tells me, oh, yeah, three weeks ago, my doctor gave me strong amendment for a sinus infection yeah. or, or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And no, I think you're spot on there. Why do, why, do, why do antibiotics do that? Why do antibiotics, quote unquote, cause a C. diff infection? So we all have kind of these multiple competing populations of bacteria living in the GI tract. And we generally refer to these bacteria as gut flora. And these bacteria are generally helpful and beneficial. However, a lot of GI symptoms occur when there's a change in the delicate balance between these different populations of GI bacteria. So if you eat a bag of sugar-free Werther's, shout out here to Neil, (laughs) you selectively feed certain populations of bacteria and they can outcompete the other bacteria. I think that's the second time that bag of Werther's has been brought up on this podcast. (laughs) But so if you selectively feed a certain population of bacteria, it's kind of like taking the gangs from West Side Story and giving the Jets machine guns. You know, they're going to get more powerful than the sharks who are still using switchblades. So and I do kind of think of like the populations of back, gut bacteria as being kind of like a bunch of different street gangs in your in your GI tract. Um, when you take an antibiotic, it doesn't just work where your infection is. It doesn't just kill the bacteria causing your sinusitis. It also kills the bacteria in your gut, specifically the susceptible strains of gut flora. And so it'll mess with that balance. So what generally happens is that if you already have C. diff living or colonizing your GI tract and you take an antibiotic that wipes out all of its competition, the C. diff can suddenly just grow out of control and it can kind of dominate your colon. And that's usually when it starts developing some of these nasty things like biofilms, the exotoxins that we've talked about. That's usually when these bad things kind of start to come out and start to happen. So if we have an infection that grows stronger when you give antibiotics, how do you treat this infection? Well, so C. diff is very resistant to a lot of antibiotics, and it's actually grown more resistant easily in the last 10 years. I I know when I first started in medicine, standard of care was to give Flagyl, um, an antibiotic called metronidazole, as first-line therapy to treat C. diff. But there have been so many treatment failures from Flagyl that that's no longer a first-line therapy. Now we have to use a different antibiotic called vancomycin. And some listeners may recognize vancomycin because we give it in IV form to treat other infections. In these circumstances, we give it by mouth, meaning we give it as an oral medication, usually as a liquid, but sometimes as a pill. It just depends. I think it's usually cheaper to get it as a liquid, but, but we give it by mouth. The vancomycin is never absorbed into your system. You're, you can't really absorb it in your GI tract. But So the vancomycin just stays in your GI tract and kills off the bacteria, the, specifically the, the bad C. diff that's there. But we're also starting to see some treatment failures with oral vancomycin. And now we're having to use a different antibiotic to kill off the, the C. diff that is resistant to that. 
And the newer antibiotic that we're using is one called fidaxomycin or difficid. And so that's just yet another antibiotic. There's a, a, a fourth antibiotic that is potent that we you could possibly use. I don't know that I've ever used it to treat C. diff in the past, but uh, rifaximin. It's one that we use more for you know our liver patients. I've um, never seen anyone use that for C. diff. Yeah, apparently it has some activity against C. diff, but I don't know that it's effective enough to be yeah to be used over um, oral vanc or difficid. But, you know, expect if this happens to you, expect to be on antibiotics for at least 10 to 14 days. You might have to be on several courses of antibiotics because it doesn't always clear up with the first round. And the treatment for refractory C. diff is kind of wild. <laughs> Do you want to talk about that some, Tyler? Yeah, you uh, eat somebody else's poop. <laughs> yeah, well, we have a nicer name for yeah, it. Yeah, we have a better, more, more, more appropriate term for it. <laughs> yeah, it's called a fecal transplant. Um, and don't worry, you don't actually have to eat the poop, <laughs> but they'll take, uh, they'll usually, they'll usually ask a family member to donate a, a sample and they'll take that person's feces and run it through a blender. And they have a couple different ways to get it into your GI tract. Sometimes they'll put it through a, a special tube that takes it directly to, uh, to the intestines. So you don't ever have to have to swallow or taste any of it. <laughs> They had, they, sometimes I think they could give it as an enema. I'm trying to think of, and I think there's even a way to, that they can put it in like capsules. They can even basically give it as like little poop pills that, that you so have to take. What percent of our listeners think that we're joking? Uh, probably all of them, but no, this is not this a joke. Is, this, this is for real. You can look up fecal transplant. This is actually a yeah. real thing we do to treat C. diff. I've had patients ask, so what do they do with the blender after it's been used? <laughs> And it's kind of like, well, uh, I'm pretty sure they throw it out. Uh, I don't think you want to take that one home. Just spray and, down with the hose. It's fine. <laughs> so anyway, it's it's a it's a pretty wild way to treat it. But basically, what you do, what you're doing with that is you're getting someone else's gut flora that basically moves in and it moves in in big big amounts and can start out competing that C diff. So it is a it certainly is a valid treatment. Tyler, what happens if it's left untreated? Well, with any infection that if you don't treat it in time, they can become septic. And I don't know if we've done an episode on sepsis specifically. No, I don't think we have. That but would actually be a good one. Yeah. But it's uh, basically sepsis is in layman's terms. It's what happens when your body's losing the battle against yeah. the infection. And just your your blood pressure tanks. You become toxic. Um, it, it's it's you're, You get hypotensive. Mm-hmm. I would say your body's defense mechanisms that usually help it fight infections kind of backfire on you and yeah. start causing you harm. And so. so you can get septic from a C. diff infection. That's one mm-hmm. complication. Infectious issues notwithstanding, the diarrhea itself can create its own problem. It can really severely dehydrate you. It can mm-hmm. create electrolyte abnormalities. It can dry you out. Um, there are some more textbook complications like mm-hmm. a pseudomembranous colitis. I don't know. I may have seen one case of this in my career, but you just get these like 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 you said, Dave, sometimes the toxins will build up this little membrane all mm-hmm. over the damaged part of the colon. I, I, that's pretty rare. I think it probably happens more often than we know. The only reason you'd see it is if you were doing a colonoscopy. Yeah. And, I mean, it probably happens, but then we treat them with antibiotics and they you know, yeah. get better. You can also see a toxic megacolon, another one I don't yeah, see all the time. I, sometimes if the infection gets out of control, it can kind of alter the, the neuromuscular mm-hmm. pathate of the colon and create like a a large inflammation and potentially yeah. rupture of the colon. Again, that's the, the same category of 
it's not something I see every Tuesday, yeah. but it, I know the textbook can tell me it's there. So if I've got a C. diff patient with a ton of abdominal pain, I'm thinking about toxic megacolon. Yeah. And of course, with any of the above, they can die. Although yeah. I don't Pretty know, rare, if, I don't know if I've seen a death that I attributed solely to C. diff. It's I wouldn't say it's usually. Yeah. I don't think I've ever seen one that's really from C. diff. I've. I've yeah. I know it's a, it's certainly a possibility, but a lot would have to go wrong before. Yeah. True. You know. So. If you ever do catch this and you wind up in the hospital, don't be surprised if people come in wearing gowns and gloves and following kind of some special safety precautions. That's mostly to prevent this from being spread to other vulnerable populations in the hospital. And Tyler, I have, I've had a lot of patients, family members ask me, well, wait a minute, what do I need to do at home? You know, what, is this going to get communicated to me? Is this that contagious? And I'll be honest, I don't have a great answer for them. I mean, yeah, we can't, we don't quarantine in hospitals. We've never quarantined yeah. in the hospital, not for COVID, not for anything. So we have to send the infectious patient out. Yeah. And you're right. It's like, well, the family will ask me, well, what am I supposed to do? And I shrug and go, I don't know. Be careful. <laughs> like, wash your hands. Don't let them cook you any food. Yeah. <laughs> you know, careful where you put your fingers. Like, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't know what to tell you, but we don't quarantine in the hospital. So yeah. So long story short, patients can go home with this. Yeah. Um, and most of them it, do. Yeah. And honestly, I don't see this running through families like norovirus or some of these other kind of GI bugs that you see. But it is possible, especially if somebody in the home is more vulnerable. But like you said, I think best best advice is that you don't let the sick person cook food and you tell everybody they need to wash their hands. And I would say clean toilets with, you know, with bleach. That's probably about the only extra thing I would do. Sounds about right. And frankly, a lot of us already have this living in our GI tracts and we have no idea. And right. so have, getting exposed, getting this in your GI tract is not the end of the world. It's really when it grows out of control or out of balance with the rest of your gut flora. So I also think that C. diff kind of helps illustrate a few lessons. First one is don't hound your doctor for antibiotics when you get a cold. If, if your doctor tells you that antibiotics aren't necessary, they have a good reason not to prescribe them. And I think this is a really, this is one of those reasons. And there's a reason you can't buy these over the counter. Yeah, You can't exactly. buy antibiotics over the counter. This is absolutely one of the reasons you can't buy antibiotics over the counter. The other one is obviously resistance. We're seeing resistance develop to a lot of antibiotics. And that's uh, and that means that many of these infections are going to become a lot more dangerous in the future. I'd say the other lesson that I would mention about this is that when your hospitalist says that you're ready to be discharged... Don't argue with them. Patients assume that the hospital is safer than it is. But in my experience, people who linger for a few days in the hospital might stay a bit longer than they planned. Yeah, the one extra day turns into a C. diff infection. Yeah, it turns into a week of extra hospitalization because yeah. of while we're waiting on test results and a response to it. And, you know, well, that pretty much wraps it up for for this episode of Sick Enough. Uh, thank, I want to thank all of our listeners if you have any questions or thoughts or, or ideas, please, please feel free to email us at sickenoughpodcast at gmail.com. Yeah. We're going to get some uh, user generated shows here. And eventually we just, uh, as soon as we see some, some good questions come in, we'll start throwing yeah. it out there. I'd like to thank in addition to all of the above Swede custom studios and two birds artwork for helping us with a thumbnail on our website. Thanks to the sound engineer. And I'd like to thank Michael Coburn at pixabay.com for our intro music. All right. See you next time.